Hi, and welcome to my podcast, Jack to the Future. From science and inventions to pollution and recycling, I talk about what's changing in the world, the future, and how we can help with that. Every month I'll talk about a different future theme. For example, the future of science, tech, sustainability, reading, music and all sorts of other ones. The future of everything. Did you know? You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Jade to the Future and on YouTube as Jack to the Future. Follow me to get behind the scenes info, access to the previews about my next episodes and much, much more. You may have noticed it's been quite a while since we ended my last podcast. I've had a very busy time with the summer holidays and going back to school. My mum has been very busy too. But I'm back and I'm pleased to bring you this week's episode on the future of rail travel. I am joined by Darren Fitzgerald, who is a STEM ambassador for the IAUT, and he also works for an organisation called the RSSB, which stands for the Rail Safety and Standards Board. I talk to Darren about his job and keeping people safe. We talk about what trains might be like in the future, how they might be powered, and some really wacky ideas that I read about. Because we've not had a lot of time, there's not much of introduction to this episode. But what I will say is check out a cool article called Radical Railways, written by Interesting Engineering. There were loads of ideas about the future of trains, which blew my mind. Mum will put a link in the podcast description. And if you happen to see my trailer for this episode on social media, you will have seen one of the ideas from this article, which is a modular train. Very cool. I'd like to welcome my special guest, Darren Fitzgerald, who works with all of the train companies in the UK, as well as those who maintain the tracks and he develops electrical standards, which is an agreed way of doing something for the railway. He's also involved in research and development for the industry and is currently working on the future of alternative fuel sources for the trains in the UK. Wow, sounds like a busy job, Darren. Good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me. It is a very busy job, Jack. So yeah, I'm Darren Fitzgerald. I'm a Principal Electrical and Systems Rolling Stock Engineer for the Rail Safety and Standards Board, or RSSB. I'm also a Chartered Engineer and an Education Ambassador with the Institute of Engineering and Technology. Yeah, yeah. cool. That sounds really interesting. And uh, also for STEM UK as well. So I go to schools and do things to do with STEM and do after-school clubs and things like that. So cool. uh, I also became a STEM Ambassador for STEM Point East. Brilliant. But yeah, great. If I followed you around at work for the day, what would I see? Well, you could see many things. My job involved speaking to all kinds of people who work in the rail industry. So other engineers, drivers, companies who supply the parts of trains, designers, people who maintain the trains as well. So if you followed me around, I might be visiting a train depot to speak to them about the standards that I've been developing and the new technology that's coming into the industry, or I might might go to another engineer's office to discuss with them something that's in a standard or might be on an R&D or research and development, I should say, project somewhere where there's a demonstration of the new technology that's going to be brought out. So the goal of my job, the objective of my job is to make the railway safer and more efficient for everybody. And I can only do that by speaking to everybody who works within it. Oh, so that, yeah. that sounds really interesting. I think I, think I know about one part, the R&D, yeah, research and development. What sort of like research and development did you do so, so RSSB, the company I work for, have have a whole research and development team who look at all kinds of different things in the railway, and it'd be things that you know I wouldn't even think 
exist either, but they look to the future exactly as is in the title of your podcast. And they try and understand the needs of the industry in advance so we can be prepared when the, the change in technology happens. Some research and development projects I've personally been involved in include using the Internet of Things. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Internet of Things or sensors. Yeah, yeah. So it's looking at putting sensors on trains to understand how they are working in a better way and getting sort of information in real time so we can act on that information and maintain trains more effectively. Another one's looking at bearings and wheels on trains and there's always a lot of research and development in that area on how we might improve what we do with bearings and wheels. There's a lot on the RSSB website and just out there in general, everyone's looking at R&D on the railway. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That sounds really cool, what you're researching about. Do you think in the future that we'll have more fast trains like the bullet train in Japan? So I think we already have very fast trains, personally. They're just not everywhere. So we have high-speed one, which runs from sort of in the Kent and London area. And there's high-speed two, which you might have seen on the news is being developed. Um, That's high-speed lines we have in the UK. I have heard of it on the news. Essentially, high-speed one runs on the uh, same lines as the Eurostar out of London. And I think we'll definitely have more of those in the future. You know, there's definitely more people want to travel by public transport. It's the greener, more environmentally friendly way to do it, especially if it's an electric train. I think the bullet train's 200 miles per hour. I think that's its top speed. I think high speed one is about 190. So we're not far off. We're pretty close, I think. Wow. That sounds pretty fast for those trains. Yeah. I wish there was one right now that I could just get in and just zoom across um, to like a different country. It'd be like a lot of money. But in the future, because of inflation... I think if you were able to buy a train and you could travel anywhere and you could own one, you could just and somehow with really clever engineering, you could travel to where you wanted. So that would be really cool. I think it's really good that they're working on high speed trains at the moment. I think that's the goal of, you know, we're always trying to look at how we can get the best performance out of the trains, how we can yeah. make them go faster and how even we can make improvements to what exists already to make them go faster as well. And the point you've made about a train just hopping on a train and going anywhere, I think Tesla, I think we're looking at something sort of like that. I think that's their Hyperloop or some similar type of technology. And others are out there as well. You're not working on it. If an electric train needed to be recharged, how long would that take? And would you need more trains because some of them would be out of power? When you say electric train, I assume you mean a battery-powered train. That's a really good question, and it's really making me think because batteries are something that we're which has been tested and there are battery trains out there that exist but i think what that depends on is the type and the size of the battery you put on the train so if you were going on a very very short line you might not need as big a battery and therefore you could recharge that a bit quicker than one if you'd need to go say 100 miles but there was it was in the news again the climate change conference or cop 26 in glasgow there was a train there which was battery powered and that was in daily service from glasgow and they use a very clever technology which i think lets them recharge in about 10 minutes so i think it's entirely possible to run batteries but there's a lot of things we have to think about when we think about battery trains the distance of the line is one is it the best solution as well is a batteries the best thing to put in there could you put in overhead electric line overhead wires to power the train instead which would save you recharging yeah yeah Lots of things. I didn't know about that one in the COP26 in Glasgow. That sounds interesting because it links to what I've been talking about in a different podcast. It was developed by a company called Viva Rail. 
Oh, cool. I think yeah. they're going to be running more trials in the UK soon. So it'd be, it'd be worth uh, checking that yeah. out when it does happen. Current collection from the overhead line is one of the main subjects I'm involved with, with my colleagues at work from the energy team. So we have a team at RSSB who are there to look at who control the standards for the overhead wires and for the conductor rail system. I don't know if you'll see that where you are, but on the south coast, there's or there's a rail on the ground next to the running rails where the train connects to to get its power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't read that, to be honest. I don't really know much about trains up in like Scotland and yeah. How good for the environment are electric trains? Extremely good for the environment is what I'll say. But I think we've got to think about more than just the train. So we need to go right back to where the train gets electricity from. So if it's connected to a power supply, how is the power for that power supply generated? If it's a coal power station, then that's not very good for the environment. You're almost running the train on coal, which is not great. So ideally, we'd use renewable sources right from the start. And as far as I'm aware, electricity to power the trains in the UK all comes from renewable sources. So it is extremely environmentally friendly in the UK. And also, if we're looking at the whole train and how we build the train, we have to look at the materials we use because some materials are harmful to the environment as well. So we've got to think about the types of materials we put into a train and the production of those, which can harm the environment. Yeah, you have to be very careful with the sources you use for it. Could you use hydrogen? So hydrogen has been proven to work as a fuel source. There was a demonstrator and there's a lot of interest from the industry to use hydrogen. It gets similar to batteries. It's in the right places. You wouldn't necessarily put it everywhere, but in certain parts of the country, there's definitely the case to put it in. It's probably the best way to do it. And that is ultimately a very environmentally friendly fuel source. Again, the materials to build that also need to be environmentally friendly and ideally come from recycled sort of components the parts to build the train would be from recycled material or would be when their life expired so when they're the end of their usable time we could reuse them in some other way so we don't just put them in the bin <laughs> effectively yeah. we, we reuse them somehow hydrogen trains that's becoming quite a big part of what i do as my job is looking at how we might use hydrogen trains in the uk yeah, we did a podcast about hydrogen fueled cars. So that kind of uh, the reason I kind of talked about that is because it kind of links hydrogen fueled vehicles in general. Sounds really cool. In the film Back to the Future, hoverboards exist in 2015. I've seen the tracks of a maglev train being made, and they hover like hoverboards without wheels. And some of them are even automated. They're so fast. Do you think we might have someone in the UK soon? So maglev was in the UK in 1984. It was at Birmingham Airport until 1995. It was the first maglev in the world, but it was quite slow. It was, I think it only went up to 20 miles an hour. It wasn't very fast. It was used to transport passengers um, from the railway station. So Eric Laithwaite was the British electrical engineer who I think is considered to be the inventor of maglev. So we, we have had it. I think looking to the future... We could have it again because it doesn't create much noise, which is something we have to think about. We don't want noisy trains because that, that's noisy to anyone who lives near the railway. A very quiet train is a good thing. And it doesn't need you know, its own fuel, so there's no pollution. But there's reasons we might not have it. Again, it's similar to batteries and hydrogen. It depends on where it's intending to go. But the one benefit, I think, of maglev is that it can climb steeper hills that normal trains can't. Yeah, so yeah. that could be a, a reason we put it somewhere. 
Is the mechanism of the magnet a little bit like a rail gun? But instead of like the bullet is like a train and the magnet gets pushed forward every time it goes along like really fast. I must be honest, I don't really know how maglev entirely works. It's a very complex type of engineering. I know there are two types of maglev which work on either the attraction of magnets or opposition of magnets. So I know there's two types and I think the one that was in the UK was the less efficient type, which is why Japan have got got it so fast. But other than that, I'm, I'm very sorry. I'm not entirely sure how it works. I need to do some reading on that. <laughs> That's my idea. It looks the same way as a rail gun, but I don't know. Do you know what a rail gun do you know um, what is? I think you are right. I'm not entirely sure how that works either, but I think that is a thing. I have heard of it before, and I think it does use electromagnetic force. Yeah. But I don't know entirely how that works either. <laughs> For somebody like you, who has the right standards to make sure things are safe, isn't it harder with automated trains because there's no driver if something goes wrong? So we do have automated or semi-automated trains in the UK already. So Docklands Light Railway in London, that's an automated train there's no driver but you sometimes someone might get on and drive for part of the journey but i think they're also conductors as well and eight of the london underground lines and part of thameslink and crossrail are also automated or semi-automated and that'll increase over time but my job is not to, to sort of fully automate anything what i like to think about is putting the driver at the center of the technology and thinking how they can best do their job to start and stop the trains and make them as efficient as possible. So looking at how they might sit in the cab and perform to the optimum level rather than sit in an awkward position and have everything they need to do that really well. So I think your question is valid. It's harder with automated trains if something goes wrong because automated trains don't really behave like humans do. Mm. And I think we're a way off that with things like artificial intelligence. Yeah, I think there's a lot of learning to be They're not as They're not as precise. Maybe they are more precise because I don't, I don't know, maybe. There's two systems which are in the UK called ETCS, which is European Train Control System. And, and I forget the name of it, but effectively automatic train control. So if you look on the Thameslink route through the centre of London, that's got some automatic properties to it, but there's still a driver in the, in the cab because they can't sort of predict every scenario that might happen. And they need the driver there to be able to act quickly if something's yeah. not right. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. The driver would obviously have to control the main computer, so it, if anything goes wrong. Is there anything about the Elizabeth Line in London and the technology involved with it? They opened it because of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, I think. I haven't had a trip on it yet, unfortunately. I do want to. It's on my list of things to do. From an engineering perspective, it's very clever. The way that they've built the stations and the whole environment to support the trains through London is is really impressive. RSSB supported some of the elements of the Elizabeth line as well and helped them deliver that project. So some of my colleagues were sort of not directly involved, but did help with some of that. So I think, yeah, it's incredible. I think that in in 2022, we have the capability to dig a, a tunnel all across the heart of London and some of the methods they use where there was, you know, really close to some buildings above ground and other lines you know it's very precise engineering i think that was fantastic really impressive unfortunately i don't know much about the line itself is there any sort of problems you solved with the train in general i would say my entire job is problem solving (laughs) so what my general job is one of the base things that i do in my job is i will get together with other engineers and members of the rail industry and we'll we'll sit in a room and we will theoretically understand how certain elements of the railway work 
So we'll say, I think it works this way, or I think it works that way. And we'll have that debate and we'll try and understand each other's point of view. And then what we have to do is problem solve and really get to the root of how the system works. And that's how we set out something in a standard. There's lots of standards for all kinds of different things on the, on the railway. And there's international standards, European as well, for all, all kinds of subjects. Yeah, I do a lot of problem solving because there's a lot of problems. Now, I don't really think there's any like technical problems that I've solved because I'm not uh, as good as my dad with computers or anything like that. But I know there's loads of problems I have solved generally. Yeah, because if you don't, if you don't all agree, you may as well just do something by yourself. And that does happen. So there's different ways people solve problems and they could do it individually. That They might do it through something called a risk assessment. So they'll look at the problem. They'll look at the risk involved with doing it in a certain way. And they might put in some technical measure to, to stop that risk from happening. Another way they can do it is they can do several risk assessments on the same thing. And once they've done it enough, they can say, well, that's a safe and technically good way of doing it. And therefore, we'll do that going forward. And then the other option is to put it in a standard. And we all agree that, that that's the way it's done. But I would say that you know, I, I sit in a room with people and I get their agreement, but then actually it gets sent out to everyone in the rail industry to comment on. So we get comments from everyone. We don't just agree in the room. It's not just us that agree, it's the whole industry that agree it. Yeah, that makes sense, because it would only be you or that group agreeing on one solution and then trying that out. And if it doesn't work, the other people would try and do their thing. Yeah. That's exactly it. So my my job is to come to that agreed resolution across everyone in the industry. And that in itself is problem solving. Yeah, makes sense. I can think of one that's quite simply rail related is there is a standard for for the signals on the railway. So you get the red, amber and green, what we call aspects on the signal. And there is a standard on those things like what shade of red the signal should be. So those are the kind of things we, we set in the standard. The one I'm working on is about connection to the overhead lines. I'm also working on ones for the driver's cabs. And how they work, for example, there is some particular what we call requirements set out, which is must-haves for the driver's cab on certain elements of the cab for different parts of it. So the types of buttons to be used, for for yeah. example, or for yeah. the driver's seat or seat comfort. We do have a standard for how comfortable a seat is on the train. <laughs> the standards for everything. There really yeah. is. <laughs> and one person sitting on their bottom on the floor... <laughs> We read an article called Radical Railways by Interesting Engineering. There were loads of ideas about the future of trains which blew our minds. Things like a hybrid aeroplane train, a solar-powered train, and a really cool idea where a fast train connects to another train so that passengers can get off without the fast train having to stop. Have you seen or experienced any futuristic trains yourself? I think you prompted me on this question before. I had to look at this article myself to find out what it was. And it was really interesting. As we discussed earlier, there's a lot of research and development on the railway. And I think futuristic trains is definitely something, you know, that that gets everyone's imagination going. I really liked, I think it was a fast train. And then you had a loop of a a passenger train, which sort of connected to it. And you had people, so the train didn't stop. I thought that was a fantastic idea. Yeah, it was like... While it's going, another train comes past. And there's like a little carriage, a door that opens. It joins together, a door that opens, and you can go into another train. So you could go to a different location, and then it splits up on the rail. But if you go into a different location, you have to be very fast because it splits up right after a certain amount of people has 
got in. I think this might be a good potential if you're looking to do some problem solving. The one thing that got me thinking there is how would you make sure the doors were in line with one another is yeah. one question I thought. It could be so a how would you make sure? strong electromagnet and they went exactly the same speed, they're parallel to each other and there was a door electromagnet so they both joined together and they opened up and then you could go through them. Yeah, that's it's problem solving. You're good at it. <laughs> That's really good. Personally, I think hydrogen, which I'm involved in, is a futuristic train. We've got something which isn't out there yet, and that's the future. But we have a lot to think about there with how that might work and, and safety and things like that. I'm also on the European group for developing the standards of Hyperloop. So that's a, a particular type of technology which uses something different, again, to the conventional ways that a train might be powered. Is it basically like those trains that where a train is where you live and then you can go into it and it goes wherever you want to go or something like that? Yeah, so the Hyperloop, I think it was an Elon Musk term that Hyperloop came from. It's effectively uh, trains in a tunnel. Yeah, it goes extremely Um, fast underground. Yeah, it's really high speed. It effectively works on air pressure. Yeah. You have, I think it's low pressure in the tube and then you can travel faster. There are countries out there that have developed sort of concepts for Hyperloop. I think Virgin were looking at one as well. I think it's the next big thing in some countries. So it's definitely one to watch. I don't know where we would apply it here, but it could be where we talked about Maglev earlier at Birmingham Airport. You never know that could be Hyperloop. So there are futuristic trains out there being developed and I hope we see them in the UK. I think Hyperloop's a really interesting subject and I'm still learning about it and I'm learning all the time is what I would say. I don't know everything about Hyperloop yet. I probably never will learn everything about it, but I will do my best to understand as much as I can. But I think Heathrow has a automated car, which is sort of a type. I've heard of that. Yeah, I'm not sure what technology that uses, but that's another mode of transport, which is sort of between car and rail somewhere in the middle. The other thing I would say on that is we shouldn't just apply the technology just because, though, we have to make sure because it costs a lot of money to bring in futuristic trains. So we have to make sure it's necessary to do so. So not just saying we're going to put Hyperloop here because it's great and we, we love Hyperloop. We need to make sure that it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I like new technology. Sometimes I have to <laughs> reel it in and, and think, actually, is this really a sensible thing to do? But uh, yeah, you have to think, is it right? Is it applicable where we're putting this? Yeah, that's true. Thank you very much for joining me on my podcast today. And I think my favourite bit we talked about was probably this last bit about all those different types of trains and any futuristic trains that we've seen. Thank you for coming onto my podcast. I've really enjoyed it. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you very much for inviting me onto your podcast, Jack. Thank you. I'm very keen to promote this kind of learning and it's fantastic that you've taken such an interest, Jack. I think it's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, it was really interesting this episode. Take care. Bye. Bye. That's all we've got time for today. What an interesting episode. I've learned so much today. And while it's really exciting to hear about the possibilities of trains in the future, I think Darren makes a really good point about the fact that we need to think about if it's necessary. And would it be good for the environment? I agree with Darren that Hyperloop is going to be a major development for the future. What do you think the future of train travel will be? Join me next time for another exciting episode of Jack of the Future.